Welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. One of her dreams is being in a Las Vegas hotel where all of the towels smell like downy fabric softener. Whitney Nelson. That is false, but I'll take it. (laughs) What? Unbelievable. My whole world is shattered. Is not, in fact, one of my dreams, but it's okay. All right. And he ain't heavy. He's my shithead co-host, Evan Wells. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Got me good. That's not the line, Andrew. Look, I have to adapt these for the circumstances. Please bear with me. Couldn't. I couldn't just be your brother for an episode. Well, you're my you're my brother all the time. But when we're doing this, you know, this is a different gotcha. situation. So. Needed to be more descriptive. I get it. I get it. I had a couple lined up for you because there are a lot of zingers in mm. this movie. But I went with mm-hmm. that one. I felt like it was the the you know the rivaliest of them all. So good, good, good. Got it. So up top, I want to mention you can find the website at coolbreezepod.com. Email is coolbreezepod at gmail.com. Twitter at coolbreezepod. And now you can get us on Periscope where everything's working perfectly and has been the whole time. I think it was a new problem. We have had absolutely zero technical issues with Periscope. Without a or hitch. streaming live. I, yeah. I guarantee it. If you like what we do and you want to support us directly, you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash coolbreezepod. Reap all manner of extras that we have yet to work out, but it's fine. They'll come. Promise. It's good. It's good. Uh, but if you don't want to throw any bones our way, a review on iTunes is incredibly helpful uh, to show your appreciation, spread the word, get all that going. So I know some people are tuning in specifically for this. So I, you know, I just want mm. to cut right to the chase, the contest. Who's the winner of the contest? All right. Yeah. Andrew, who is the winner of the contest? Who won? Look, let me just set this up. I got to get some intrigue going here. All right. Stop keeping us in suspense. Oh, gosh. It concluded on Monday, Labor Day in the United States, on Keanu's 55th birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Keanu Reeves. And I drew the winner. All right. And I did it. First, I want to say we initially had, and I posted this earlier on Twitter, 1,300 entries, but this was all evil robots. Probably from Russia. And they were retweeting and all this bad stuff. So I went through and I did it manually. I purged these evil bastards. And I got this down to like 60-ish legitimate entries. Okay. Mm. Are we ready? Yeah. Yes. All right. I'm queuing this up. The winner of John Wick Chapter (laughs) 3 Parabellum on Blu-ray is... Don Rooney of Manchester, England! Congratulations, I don't know if you're watching, but uh, we're listening. I guess you're listening and watching. Let me turn this, uh, it's God Save the Queen. It's for you, being English. <laughs> Way to go, Don. I was wondering if you had themed that specifically because Don is in Manchester. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We we really care here at Cool Breeze HQ. It's important <laughs> to get the details right. Don, this music is killing me. I gotta stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we Yay, will notify Don. you tomorrow if you're not watching. Uh, I'm sure some people will get in touch also uh, and work out a way to get this Blu-ray to you. I know customs is a huge bitch. Uh, maybe I could just buy it for you or we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. But you did it! Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. Specifically, the winning entry was the one where you followed us on Twitter. So you were already doing that anyway. So nice job. Nice job. Way to go, Don. 
And uh, thank you to everyone else who entered and helped spread the good word. Specifically, I want to shout out James and Holly. They went the extra mile. They wrote reviews on iTunes that were super lovely, five stars. They did it right. Oh, yeah. You are in our hearts. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm cooking up our next contest idea. We'll, we'll approach it a little bit differently next time as to reduce the uh, bot infestation that happened. But, <laughs> you know, I hope regardless of whether you won, enjoy Best Picture 2019 on Blu-ray. It's going to be yep. great. Well, and awesome. if you didn't win, buy it anyway and watch it because right. it is the best picture of 2019. <laughs> so great. It's super important. Please go buy it. All right. So with all that out of the way, Evan, tell us mm. what we're talking about today. Oh, my goodness. We're talking about the blockbuster film. <laughs> oh, boy. Feeling Minnesota. I'm getting some uh, vibes here from I, you. I, I said that with heavy sarcasm. <laughs> Um, the plot synopsis is quite succinct from IMDb, and it is as follows. One entire sentence. <laughs> An ex-convict and his bumbling crook brother fight for the same woman. Okay. Right. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Bagelman, is what I'm going to say for that name. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose most recent work... You might be familiar with uh, uh, the one and done season of Wicked City on ABC Network a few years ago. Mm. Uh, not familiar with, or no. either of you from? Okay, <laughs> no. Um, all right, co-starring alongside Keanu in this film is Cameron Diaz, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Delroy Lindo, uh, Dan mm-hmm. Aykroyd, and mm-hmm. obviously because it's the '90s, Courtney Love. That Perfect. took me by surprise. Dan Aykroyd took me by surprise, too. One of the nice things about going in with knowing as little as possible is I really only knew about Cameron Diaz and um, Keanu Reeves. I did not know Vincent D'Onofrio, although that did not surprise me, but I was very surprised by Dan Aykroyd and Courtney Love. Right. Fun. Yeah, I'm with you. Speaking of which, Whitney, can you Mm, just give us a little bit of uh, what the critics and audience thought of this movie? I can. We have, from Rotten Tomatoes, we have a 14% critic score. Nailed it. And a 27% audience score, which I feel is a bit generous. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow, Not to to tip my cards too early, but... Shots fired. I think 27% is generous. Uh, Surprisingly enough, Roger Ebert loved this movie. Get out what? of my face. No way. Yeah. And and when I went in to read a little bit more about it, I try not to read reviews because I don't want to accidentally get any trivia, but I usually will check out just like the beginning and the end of Roger Ebert's recaps of stuff just because I'm curious. He really liked it because this was kind of the first outside of the mask. This was kind of the first Cameron Diaz. And he really, really liked her. And I think that's why he rated it so high. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. But, but yeah, while it's got an overall 14% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the outlier there is definitely Roger Ebert. Interesting. Very. Yeah. So we have a critic quote from Emmanuel Levy of Variety, which says, everything in and about Bagelman's debut is irritatingly derivative. Secondhand mm-hmm. plot, small time <laughs> characters. Limited and movieish vision and bad performances for Reeves and Diaz. Ouch. And then we have a user quote, which <laughs> there's not a whole <laughs> lot of written user reviews to go from. Uh, um, surprise. A lot of people have rated, but very few wrote their thoughts. So we've got Rick S, who gave it two and a half out of five stars. 
and says, not the best flick from its genre, but good for cutting in boredom. Mm. Mm. I don't even, I'm not even sure what that means. <laughs> cutting in yeah, me boredom? Neither. Cutting in boredom. You know, like if you want to interrupt your boredom, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Cut in line, but like your boredom. I don't Who know. About, oh. I don't know about that, Rick. Yes. Yeah, go figure. All right. I'm okay. s- I'm super excited because uh, it sounds like we got some opinions. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Oh man, I'll uh, I'll head this one off. All right. Uh, at a high level, the question is: Did this movie work for me? No. Um, and as we go point by point here, the pacing. I mean, this movie got so slow for. Uh, let's say 60% of the movie. And that just, that just like killed it for me. It was, we'll get into it, but it's like, oh, the brothers are fighting again. Let <laughs> me go do something else and let them do that for a little bit. And then something else would happen to be like, oh, they're fighting again. <laughs> so it was that a lot. The plot, I mean, I, no, it's just, no, n- no, what? no. No, I don't it's know. so annoying, and I'll wait until we get into the details. What character development? Mm-hmm. I get. I guess there maybe we learned, like in the last three minutes of the movie, that a little bit about Cameron Diaz's character that she's like not great. <laughs> um, but uh, otherwise, not a lot there. Originality, sure. Uh, no, I mean. Fighting over a woman, maybe brothers haven't really done that too much in a movie, but you started to lose, you kind of lost sight of them being brothers, to be honest. Huh. There wasn't, in the beginning of the movie, yeah, because it's pretty obvious that he's, you know, there for the wedding. But then it's just like they're enemies. It's not, we'll get into that too. Um, (laughs) And then, technically, I don't remember being blown away. Technically speaking, um, mm-hmm. I think, nope, nothing blew my mind. I mean, I wanted to give a little bit to choreography because of all the fight scenes, but no. <laughs> yeah. And and then Keanu, Keanu didn't really show up for this. I got to put it out there. He didn't, I don't know if, the, if he knew going in that this was like a bad script or, which is annoying because there's like some, there's, there's talented actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. It just felt like they were all casted wrong. And so I don't know if he saw that and he just didn't give it 100% or his character didn't call for it. But no, it was it was not not a good movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Coming out swinging. Okay. You know, I think I have a pretty good idea of where Whitney is going to fall on this one. <laughs> um, and it's not because we have yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I have a hard time keeping my feelings in. Yeah, please let them open the floodgates. <laughs> Andrew, would you like to go first? I can. And uh, yeah, let's I'll, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> and then we'll let the rest uh, unfold as it as it were. So uh, I did not I did not hate this movie. So that is not like a ringing endorsement at all. But. I watched this. Uh, I laughed at a few parts. Uh, I thought that some of this casting worked really well for me, but it was like a prototype to things that I 
really liked more. So I'll throw a couple things out here. Like, this is like a femme fatale movie, right? So whether you love that or hate that type of genre, right? And then like one of these other mixed in with like a down on your luck type of dark comedy situation. So there are some points in this movie when I had vibes of Very Bad Things, which also has Cameron Diaz. Uh, I also got vibes from Gross Point Blank, which also has Dan Aykroyd. And I don't think that's surprising where I feel like these two actors kind of had um, tested these characters in this movie before making them better in the next version. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of those movies. uh, I also thought uh, Slums of Beverly Hills to a degree also. So all movies Mm -hmm. that kind of released within two to three years after. Yeah. uh, I think all of those movies are, in my opinion, far better executed than this one. Yeah, all of those movies you just said are good movies. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just... If, so that's the big difference between this movie and those movies. Yeah, I'm trying to give people like a feel for how I, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, I kind of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The true, this came before, so it's not stealing any of that stuff. It's just, here are some vibes you might get. That said, uh, I really liked Aykroyd in this as a crooked cop. I thought that was a pretty mm-hmm. funny role for him. And I'm not mm-hmm. a huge wow. Dan Aykroyd fan beyond like Ghostbusters and uh, Gross Point Blank, not really. a huge Dan Aykroyd fan. Right. Wait, just you, I, What, are you even a human being? I mean, he's <laughs> fine. He was good on SNL. Like, what is his, you know, what? What, what does he have past Ghostbusters? I don't understand. What? What does he have? Tell me. What? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm very perturbed. Look, Bill Murray greater than Dan Aykroyd. I would take most of the Ghostbusters over Dan Aykroyd if we were going based on Ghostbusters ranking. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. All right. Keanu. <laughs> okay. I want to tiptoe through the tulips here a little bit. I think that he did okay here. No. Given, <laughs> given that his character motivation was just someone heading in any direction other than prison. I think he did everything he could, right? <laughs> that's basically what the, that, that's, that is his defining characteristic. He's like a bad, like a, uh, not a bad guy, I guess, but he's been in prison a bunch of times. And the only thing we know about him is really, he's been in prison a few times. He doesn't want to be there anymore. And he likes this girl. And I think he played like manipulated and infatuated. Okay. Mm. And then Cameron Diaz, for me, was probably like the standout in this movie of like, if you had to just say like, here's the ranking of everyone, she's probably at the front of the list of of acting here. Uh, and then I was like looking through her IMDb for trivia because it's, this is, this is a tough one, guys. So I'm going to be honest with you. This is a real tough movie to find trivia for. <laughs> uh, and I found like, she's been like really good at, picking a variety of roles that work for her. Like the movies might not always be great, but she is usually good in the role that she chooses. And I found out that I've like seen more Cameron Diaz movies than not. Like, and it's a large margin. It's like, I've probably seen 90% of her films, not going out of my way to watch them just Mm -hmm. because she picks some really cool, interesting stuff and she's good in it. As far as everything else about this movie, the technical stuff, the character development, the plot, none of this is, it's not, it's not good. None of it's good, right? The plot is, is not, <laughs> it's a, like a triple, it's like a double, triple cross situation, which yeah. you have to do that perfectly for me not to hate your movie. 
it's it's a <laughs> it is a super fine line character development there is little to none i would say mm-hmm. erring on the side of none the story is not original although no it's not original i have nothing to add to that <laughs> and then the cinema cinematography nothing to write home about the editing was sloppy I can actually say that the editing was sloppy. There was a lot of continuity errors. And for me to notice that, like, that's Evan's department, truly. (laughs) Like, I'm noticing, like, he's in a, there's a scene where he's drinking a beer and it's cutting back and forth to shots of him. And the beer is at, like, different levels of doneness. Like, there's more in one scene and then it's less and it's up and it's down. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, And that's it. Everything else. Uh, oh, you know what? I'll, I will say one positive thing. It opens with a Johnny Cash song, and I really like that song. Yeah. Okay. That there is a good go. song. It also it's closes a with a cover of that song. I hate the cover of the song. Right. <laughs> that plays at the end. I was like, what do you do? This is like a final nail in a coffin of a well, shitty movie. Why are you sending us out with like a real whiny bastard version of. <laughs> oh, no Los Lobos for Whitney. I understand. Nope, nope. I like some Los Lobos. I hate that cover. I Okay, I got you. Not only did they not add to the song, they took away from the song. By it was active, actively made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's about it for me. I, I, hmm. I, I, it sounds like I'm, I, I don't think I'm as hard on this as Evan was. And I, I'm certainly not as hard as, <laughs> as you're about to hear. <laughs> But I didn't. You like, don't know that, Andrew. Uh, well, I, 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 maybe <laughs> you I don't know anything of, about me. Okay, all right, fair enough. I, I thought this movie was—it's not even lowercase f fine. It's like whatever the next lowercase o. Okay, I don't know. Like, there's something below. <laughs> not bad, but nothing. It's a nothing sandwich, oh is what it is. It's two pieces <laughs> of bread, and there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> What I think is interesting is I didn't think of the gross point blank comparison until you said it, but there's yeah. so much that's similar in in vibe and tone, except for gross point blank is one of my favorite movies. And this, for being so similar in tone, so similar in kind of like plot and how everything's going, it's like not even close to the same feeling that you get from it. Like right. the the big disconnect here is the fact that none of these characters are likable at all from the beginning. S- some of them are actively trying to get you to hate them, I believe. Or the mm-hmm. director or whatever writer was trying to get you to like, you will never like this guy. Or, you know, it's a guy. All right, the brother. You'll never like this guy. <laughs> Ever. Mm-hmm. So I that's a problem. I definitely think that the pacing of this movie is terrible because so little happens in it, but they try to like like smash in every time that they think it's getting boring with like a fight scene, but the stuff that's not the fight scenes was far more interesting than the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. And if I had to watch Vincent D'Onofrio sneak around for even 30 more seconds of <laughs> screen time i would have shut it off <laughs> okay um lumbering I wrote, around i wrote in my notes at one point that this feels to me like quentin tarantino tried to make a nancy myers movie whoa because what? put it on the poster <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it, it's so it's so so heavily focused on family dysfunction right it mm. is so about sibling rivalry and 
parents picking one sibling over the other and a rift between them and blah, blah, blah. And they can't let it go. And all Vincent D'Onofrio is trying to do is set up his brother and all his brother wants is to never have anything to do with Vincent D'Onofrio again. And like that could be an interesting dynamic and that can be enough to pilot a whole movie on. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it was so repetitive from from literally the first scene to the last scene, I felt like we were just saying the same things over and over again. We yeah. weren't getting anywhere with the characters. We weren't learning anything new with their relationship. Nothing was progressing in any kind of a way. It was just the same interaction over and over and over again, which doesn't do anything for me. And when you're watching a movie where the same interaction between two brothers happens in every single scene over and over again, and then also no one in the movie is likable a likable character at all. There's there's just no reason to watch it. it. Yeah. It was so hard to stay watching this and not turn it off. And I, we've watched way worse movies than this. And I have not had a problem where I'm like, I should just turn this off and just stop. <laughs> this one rankled me in such a way that I was like, I should just turn this off and stop. And obviously I didn't because then I had to talk about it. But um, this is the first one out of all of them that I'm like, I should just turn this off. And I think that's just because there are people that I actively don't want to know any more about doing the same things repetitively. And it's like, that's terrible. And like, they didn't focus enough on the crime aspect. If you're going to make it about people who are like, you know, just kind of their circumstances and their lives mean that they're sort of underlings to petty crime lords their whole lives. Like, you could be the biggest crime lord in all of Minnesota and you're still not that big of a crime lord. Yeah. So, yeah, these characters get a lot of shitty breaks and bad luck and they're just kind of born into it and it doesn't really change. And I also think that can be interesting, too. I think that um, My Own Private Idaho does a version of that much better, of the, like, you're sort of born into certain circumstances and, and you know, your life kind of carries you along with it and that sort of thing. And I think all of that works much better in, in a lot of other movies and not in this movie because there's just no one grows at all. No one learns anything. Hmm. I think that the there's more chemistry than I expected, considering my whole thing up until the other day was Keanu Reeves doesn't have chemistry, which is why he's not good in romantic leads. Mm -hmm. Um I, they had a surprising amount of chemistry for me. I don't think that Keanu did his best work in this. I don't think he did a bad job, but I also don't think he carried the film. I think the last several that we've watched, he's carried the film. And in this one, he did not. But I do, I was surprised by the amount of chemistry between him and Cameron Diaz. And I think that's the only thing that sold any part of this movie at all, regardless of how, like, how much drudgery it was to watch this movie and how much I felt that the circumstances of them getting together were unbelievable and all of that kind of stuff. I did still buy them being attracted to one another because they had enough on-screen chemistry to sell that part. Huh. I do think Cameron Diaz chose a good role for herself. I just... Yes. Um, I also didn't like her character. And I didn't like her character from the beginning. Yeah. What was what was it about the character? I was... I'm just curious. Like... The she's the whiniest of all of them. Mm, okay. Like they're all kind of like like Keanu is like, I can't do this because it feels good and anything that's good in my life, I will turn to shit, blah, blah, blah. Like, woe is me. I get it. But it's not whiny <laughs> in the same way that she was whiny from the beginning. And like, clearly she was stuck in a shitty circumstance, but also she 
didn't ever get out of it herself. She only ever used other people to get out of it. Right. And she put herself there. Okay. So I don't know. I just didn't. She was just so whiny. And like everyone else went through just as much bullshit as she did in this movie. But no one else was like, oh, poor me. Who's going to help me? And she was. I I thought that um, D'Onofrio did a slightly better job. I like D'Onofrio, but I like D'Onofrio in everything. I don't think I've ever seen D'Onofrio in anything that I didn't like him in. Yeah. Right. We, you're kind of expecting that out of him, right? Like over the top, like very energetic and, you know, just kind of shouty. And he seems to just not care about reception and he just kind of goes for it yeah and and i really like that about his acting style and there were times when it was it was like too much and it felt forced and fake but there were plenty of times where he had like a guttural response to something and it was perfect so i thought i thought he brought a lot more to this movie than anyone else that's interesting he is he is certainly a presence like when it's i can't like name another Vincent D'Onofrio thing off the top of my head, but when he other than is, as the bad guy in Daredevil, oh well, yeah, as Kingpin, sure. Uh, so that's well, great. No, that's like a- him in in um, Law and Order, he has a bunch of roles like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> that's him. Like he just he's the guy that's investigating or he's interrogating. Well, here's something that you definitely shouting. know him from. <gasps> He's Edgar in Men in Black. <laughs> oh, yes! Sugar. Yeah, sugar <laughs> water. Yes, mm. he's he is, like, magnetic, you know? Like, you you watch him through the right. motions and the eyes and everything, but... I've always called him poor man's Mark Ruffalo, which isn't fair to him <laughs> or to Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Oh, oh I want a Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> Hulk now, though, just uh, for comparison. It's, it's, it's so it's, a, it's such a mean thing to say because it's I mean, other than the fact that they look like they could be maybe siblings, but definitely mm-hmm. cousins. There's no mm-hmm. reason to compare the two. They have not even close, similar like careers, roles, anything. There's it, right. no reason to compare one to the other. But I just always call him the poor man's Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Savage. Unbelievable. I think it's time. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited. Live? It's time. Live. Oh, my gosh. Live? Doing it live. Oh, my gosh. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> live embarrassment. Here we go. <laughs> Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Boo! Got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own quizzo show where the host, in this case, I, Andrew, will be asking the <laughs> contestants each three questions worth one point. Team, I gotta be honest with you. Trivia this week is been on the ground. Ugh, ugh. All right, that's all I'm gonna say. If one person gets it wrong, the other player has a chance to steal. And I have faith in you, Andrew. I, I think you're going to like this, although the, I think I, you I will, pulled it out. I will say these are mostly Cameron Diaz focused. So, <laughs> oh, God. Look, I am go. not going to do well at that. 
So Ugh. don't worry, Evan. At least we're both not on good footing. Okay. 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 Hold on while I open a beer. <laughs> nice. I need to That's be mentally smart. prepared for this. Let me. So I can add bonus questions, of which yes, there is a bonus question. Believe it or not, I I came up with one. It is a softball. If either of you miss this bonus question, I'm gonna whoa. miss it. All right. No, it's hopefully. I might also miss it. I do not feel like I'm a Cameron Diaz expert, so. <laughs> the current scores are as follows. Maybe it's just me. I guess I'm the Cameron Diaz expert on, on this show. Whitney has 38 points. Evan has 20. And I have 26. So here's where <laughs> Evan has a chance to really do, make some moves and perhaps take second place. He's coming up quick. It's crazy. Well, if nothing else, I'll get third, and that'll be, that'll be good for me. I'm feeling the heat. Third and then if you don't three. get third, <laughs> right. we have to have a talk. We're going to have to have a discussion oh, about man. what's going on here. Yeah. We're doing this live, so guess what? The music is playing while I ask these mm-hmm. questions. Oh, Are we God. ready? Mm-hmm. Whitney, you hosted last time, so you're going I first. Did. Yes. Okay. I right. um, guess I'm ready. Here we go. Is that loud? I'll put it down here. Oh, that feels good. That's good right there. That feels great. Mm -hmm. All right. Last week, I mentioned that I remembered hearing this cliche, the title, Feeling Minnesota, in the lyrics of the 1991 Soundgarden song, Outshined. So, true or false, the title of this movie was inspired by that lyric. True. Mm. True it is! Nice. That was pure guess. Pure guess. No idea. I don't even know. Like, we talked about Soundgarden. I don't know Soundgarden at all, really. So, like, timelines, this could have come out before, could have come out after. But it was my guess that it was, that was actually why it was named it. Right. Chris Cornell, the singer for Soundgarden, songwriter, great overall musician guy, his lawyer said they had legal grounds to sue once this came out. And Chris Cornell said, like, no, I don't want to do that. It's actually a little embarrassing that they used one of my lyrics as the name of their movie. And I'm like, that mm-hmm. is a true guy right there. Mm-hmm. I guess I should also mm. say for true or false questions, there probably shouldn't be a steal, right? That, fe- that feels uh, fair. Definitely should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think it's fair to have a steal option when it's true or false. Okay, fair enough. So we didn't need it in that case, but Evan, you also have a true or false question here. So there we go. Okay. Wanted to establish it. Here we go. Mm-hmm. One of the showgirls. Okay, this is uh, true or false, right? One of the showgirls in the dressing room at the end of the movie is frequent Keanu movie cameo performer Heather Graham. What? True or false? Um. Oh God. False. I asked that question because (sighs) when you're in the dressing room, the first girl who's like putting on eyelashes, it looks exactly like her. And I'm like, it can't be another Heather Graham cameo. It was not. Thank God I wasn't paying attention. Okay. (laughs) Thank God. You tuned out 30 minutes before that scene. You're like, wake me up when the credits roll. All right. Here we go. Whitney, this one's for you. Okay. Cameron Diaz, <laughs> like Keanu, had a three-movie year in 1996. 
What was the other movie she made this year? Is it She's the One, The Last Supper, or Keys to Tulsa? Except for she's the one, but I think she, I don't think it's she's the one. I think that was later. I'm gonna say keys to Tulsa. I'm sorry, okay. that was incorrect. Evan, you have a chance to steal here. Mm, it was she's the one, keys to Tulsa, and what was the other one? The Last Supper. What? Um. I have never heard of any of these, mm -hmm. so I'm going to say she's the one. Evan's making oh, moves! Oh, <laughs> my I definitely God. thought that was like a 98 thing. I thought that was oh. closer to there's something about Mary. It, I mean, you know, they're all kind of, I, I picked one from 95, 96, and 97. I can't, I, you know, after that, her stuff gets very recognizable, so. Uh, I must have a good luck charm listening in on this live broadcast. One of them. One of them. Yeah, you've never done this well. Two? Two, two correct. <laughs> 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 you actually had a banner. Uh, uh, I'll, we'll talk about it later. So, all right. Here we go. Uh, this is also your question, okay? This is just a, uh, there will be no multiple choice here or anything like that. So, you just have to answer this mm. one. Sweet. While, <laughs> while never mentioned by name, the cover of Feeling Minnesota is among the movies featured in this 2008 film where the premise is making sweeted or homemade versions of popular movie scenes. 2008 movie where they made homemade version of popular movie scenes. That's correct. Um, Whitney's eerily quiet, which means she probably knows it. No, I'm racking my brain for what it is. She's key word, the key word is because it's it's in the it's in the question. Sweeted. That was the that was the wording that the movie used. The movie in question. Um. Uh oh. Music stop. Okay. No, it just loops. <laughs> I got this all figured out. I think I was oh. like, here we go. We're, let's keep it going. Um, I have zero idea. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to say, no, I don't, I don't even know. I have, I have no movie to guess. So Whitney, take it away. All right. You can do well. this. You can do the sound. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> thank, thank you. I <laughs> to apparently phone a friend because we're now doing this live and someone what? in the chat has said, be kind, rewind. And that uh, sounds like it was a perfect time for this, exactly what you're talking about. Was it be kind, rewind? Oh my God, we have a new element. We just added a oh, rule. My Evan, God. you gotta start paying attention to the chat, buddy. That's a point for Whitney. This is utter horseshit. <laughs> Really? Thank you, Doug. There it is. Oh, Doug knows what's up. Sweeted. Sweet. They said they sweeted the movies. They made Ghostbusters. Did you ever see Be Kind Rewind? It's actually a pretty fun no. movie. Jack Black, Most Def. Oh, it's great. 
Oh, Danny Glover is also in it. Oh, man, it's really good. Watch it. It's okay. on Plex. Okay, great. Don't tell yep. anybody. Oh, it's live. Can't wait. God damn I it. <laughs> <laughs> well, not your Plex, just no, Aplex. No, just it's on Aplex somewhere. somewhere. Uh, I'm sure it's <laughs> on one somewhere, yeah. <laughs> so it's Whitney's turn, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. More Kevin Diaz trivia. Delroy Lindo, who played drug dealer and arcade owner Red in this film, would go on to work with Cameron Diaz again a few oh, years this one. later in oh. which film? Do you need the answers? Come on. A Life Less Ordinary. One. You did it! <laughs> Damn! Pulled that it out! That is literally like the only Cameron Diaz tri trivia that I would know without needing the, the like to hear all the answers. Perfect. All right. Look at you go. See? Mm -hmm. You know more than you let on. All right. I was okay. super into A Lifeless Ordinary when it came out. Ewan, right? Am I, is that Ewan yes, McGregor? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct, sir. That is I, why I was super into it. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. all right. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. He sings in it, and it was the first time we ever saw him sing. And I was like, what? Oh, he's a fancy I boy. owned it on VHS. Whew. All right. So, do you still have it? Maybe we could give that as a no, price. No, I got rid yeah. of all of my VHSs, unfortunately. Unbelievable. Uh, that was a mistake. No, you did the right thing. All right. <laughs> Evan, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Freddie tells Jax the story of meeting real-life singer and actress Anne Margaret in Las Vegas when she was a child. Three years later, Anne Margaret would play Cameron Diaz's mom in what film? Was it... Any given Sunday, being John Malkovich, or there's something about Mary. Mm. That's a really good question. And they're really it's good options. Pretty cool. Pretty cool that it came around, too. Um. Think about this. Don't try and wait till the chat chimes in, Evan. No, I'm not on the chat. <laughs> I don't Evan's subscribe not on the to chat. that rule. They're not, we, we're not live streaming the untapped, so Evan is not there. For future uh, games, I can sign out of the chat and then sign back in again once we're done. It's fine. Uh -huh. I, like the, I like the chaos that the chat brings. <laughs> I'm into well, it. I, I'm definitely going to, while there are no rules established, I'm going to take advantage of it. You know, That's right. like, forgiveness permission. I understand. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Evan, do you have an answer? Can you say the movies again? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Write them down. Here we go. Any given Sunday, being John Malkovich, or there's something about Mary. It has to be any given Sunday. You did it. Yes. That was yes. going to be my guess, too. Yeah, okay, I good. don't remember a mom in Being John Malkovich. No, yeah. That's and correct. I don't know if there was a mom in Something About Mary for Cameron Diaz. There was the old tan lady who acted yeah, as a mother Yeah, there was the old figure, tan lady. That's why that I was, was like, I don't think that right. was... I yeah. thought that might have thrown you off the trail a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that Are was going to be my guess too, so good job. <laughs> yes. Are you two ready for your bonus point? I Wait, don't how's, know. what are the rules here? Here's the th you first can't, answer. You both have a chance to get this. Okay. You okay. just can't say the same thing. You'll understand when I ask the question. Okay. What? Here it is. Are Yikes. you ready? Okay. Please, please. Here we go. Mm -hmm. 
Aside from the ones already mentioned, name any Cameron Diaz movie. The Mask. Yeah! Charlie's Angels. There you go. <laughs> Good. You both oh, got an extra yes. point. Holy crap. Woo. Look at you guys go. You're doing it. I love The Mask. We did it. The Mask. That's her first film. That was her... Mm -hmm breakout appearance in a role not unlike what she kind of did here a little bit like great a, kind movie. of uh, got fell in with the wrong crowd uh sure yeah, the club right the strip sure. Nice yeah sure. yeah, right? yeah. stage sure. performer i don't know uh -huh. yeah. all right all Look, right andrew we did it oh my we gosh did <laughs> we did it live it felt great oh yeah we could literally do the bill o'reilly we'll do it live <laughs> Whitney moves up to 42 points, which is come on, unbelievable. Evan slides up to the Christ. opposite palindrome, 24 points, and I have 26. Oh my god, my you're coming. Oh, damn it, you are very close. You are very close. <sighs> All right, so that's a pop quiz, asshole. I love that. That it's felt great live. We have audience yeah. participation. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm breaking rules that don't exist yet. <laughs> Oh, okay. I love that. I always love breaking rules that don't exist yet. Right. I like mm. being the reason rules are in place. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. It's like, I guess yeah, we yeah. got to write it now. Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so are we ready to, to get into this? Let's go for let's, it. Let's go. My notes are super lean here. So I'm going to just go through. And if you have any Fantastic. standout things you want to chat <laughs> You want to chat about or shout I out? I have literally five sentences in my notes. So, and one yeah. sentence is in all caps. Holy shit, Dan Aykroyd. Go <laughs> all right. Oh, and the other one's like garbage film. All right. <laughs> so here we go. I'm going to set the stage. All right. Mm. We start with a flashback set to Johnny Cash's most excellent ring of fire. This got me hyped for the movie. Perhaps, mm -hmm. you know. It's it's a shame undeservedly that it didn't, so. <laughs> right, it didn't maintain this momentum, <laughs> yeah. but it's two boys who you can immediately tell are kind of brothers. They're playing together, or the roughhousing, and they're doing dumb boy stuff like throwing rocks at each other and punching each other's hands for some reason. It's yep. like real dumb shit. There. But yeah, it's I, I say that having done it. So there you go. The next scene. Uh, after a little bit, it cuts to the present. So we find out that was 20 years ago, whatever. Cut to the present. Uh, we see a woman in a wedding dress being chased by a car. And this is Freddie, who's played by Cameron Diaz. She has apparently fallen in league with a bad crowd and has been promised to wed someone against her wishes. The deal here, as far as I understood it, was she stole some money or was mm -hmm. accused of stealing some money from a fellow named Red who's in the car chasing her. And as punishment, he's Red is forcing her to marry his bookkeeper, Sam, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Is that about right? Does that about More or less, yeah. yeah. They, okay. they don't make it explicitly clear. I don't know if it was money that was stolen or if it was money that was owed. It might have been like a drug thing. Yes. Where okay. it was like she owed a certain amount of money and never was able to pay up. But yeah. one way or another, she owed him that, whether she stole it or... I feel like if she stole it, they wouldn't have been so lenient. Right. Uh, I had an issue. <laughs> it's early. I'm only two minutes. All right, let's go. Let's get it out. They're chasing her in the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she decides to run on the road. Yeah. Then they stop the car. And she. And that's and when she decides, she decides to, like, to run on the, on, on the train tracks. 
Mm-hmm. Almost. You should have switched that. <laughs> Run on the train tracks when they're in the car. Yeah. Because cars aren't great at train tracks. Mm-hmm. And then if they stop the car, find yourself a nice flat road and run on that. Mm-hmm. Don't run on train tracks. Mm-hmm. Pro, pro tip. <laughs> this is just. That, if, you ever yeah. need, if you ever need to escape, just hit up Evan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Evan's like, I've escaped from so many people. Trains go At on Evan train Evan Agrion, untapped. Just hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's oh. nice and secure. Nobody will look there. Perfect. Right. No one's asking questions. Okay. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> we then briefly visit Red's Arcade, which is a cool place, but it's just a front for a drug operation. But it mm-hmm. is cool that he's laundering money. I was pretty money. into this yeah. place. I was like, oh, yeah. this is a great front. I of dig all of, it yeah, a lot. Of all of the fronts that I think I've ever seen in real life or in film, this was the one that I'd most want to be at. Right. Yeah. And he I, like I knew the neighborhood it. kids and stuff. He like gave the kid a high five. He's like, yeah, whatever. It's awesome. By the way, this is a weird Whitney fact that we're just going to get out here right now. Ooh. I am 1,000% convinced that every tarot card, palm reading, fortune telling place is a front for for crime well there goes that segment of our audience oh damn it i'm not saying you know whatever go get your fortune told or whatever but there's absolutely (laughs) no way in this day and age for somebody in like manhattan in like greenwich village to be able to pay for a storefront no matter how small it is for like palm reading you can't charge enough (laughs) reading palms to be able to make your rent how is that still in business it's the same here in philly there's one in a very, very look in Washington Square. There's a palm Ooh, reader. And it's like, fancy. how? How is there a palm reader in Washington Square? This is a Let's very fancy out. neighborhood. How can you afford the rent? Let's go. It's funny you mentioned this because one literally opened just a few blocks from me. So now I will always look crime. Look on it suspiciously. Be like, yeah. let's watch the comings and goings here, neighborhood watch. Let's figure this out. Let's do it. There is there is no explanation for how they make enough income, is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. And almost all of them deal only in cash because it's like five bucks or whatever. Yeah. So when great. you're talking laundering, you know, <laughs> whatever. Perfect. Anyway, we can continue. We can go back to the other thing. That's just one of Whitney's crazy theories. Eventually, we'll get to the point where we talk about Whitney thinks John Legend is an alien in a human suit. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Let's keep going with this movie right now. All right. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Duly noted. Hold on, I'm just plugging that into the big data machine here. Okay, <laughs> great. We'll talk about it at some point. Today's not that day. That'll be a Patreon exclusive. We could go through conspiracy <laughs> theories and then Evan Why could tear Whitney apart think? movies. Yeah. Oh, Whitney's corner. is an alien. I love it. Okay. We're at this arcade still. This is where we meet Sam. Okay, he, he, he's basically wearing the same blue tux Jeff Daniels did in Dumb and Dumber, as far as I could tell, uh, to the eye. <laughs> it looked identical. Mm-hmm. So he is the he is the aforementioned bookkeeper who is going to get married today. Yes, I did write in my notes right here. One of my five sentences of notes is Vincent D'Onofrio has aged crazy well because yeah. other than a little bit of more weight and a little bit less hair, he yeah. looks. Almost identical to stuff I've seen him in, like, today. That's a good point. He, he, he's like Paul Rudd kind of aging. It's just <laughs> because he's always played villains and because he has gained some weight and lost some hair, it's not quite at the Paul Rudd level. But right. he was 
the amount of boyishness still in his face that matches like when this movie came out, I was surprised. I was expecting him to look much younger or much different. And he looks almost identical to what he looks like now. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it, I got the idea in my head when you mentioned the kingpin. I'm like, holy, sh- yeah, just shave a little hair and bulk him up a little bit. And you're like, damn, he actually might look a little bit better, like with, you know, a little beefier. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're here, we also meet uh, our crooked cop friend. His name is Ben Kostikian, as far as I could tell. Uh, Detective Ben, let's call him that for the rest. Yeah, it's a whole plot point in the movie that Vincent D'Onofrio cannot pronounce this detective's last name. Right. It's pretty funny. And it's C-O-S-T-I-K-Y-A-N, according to IMDb. So Kostikian. Let's go with that. This is Dan Aykroyd. And he's great in this role. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out and say, I think we all agree. Maybe Evan doesn't, but, uh, you know, do you? Uh, he's, fine. he's fine. I quite liked him in this role. Did you give him like a B? Like a B? C plus? Uh, but apparently I'm just, the only it, one here who likes Dan Aykroyd. Because <laughs> no, the two of you I are like soulless. I like Dan Aykroyd. I like him. I don't like him in serious roles. Oh, boy. All right. Hmm. Do you not like him in Gross Point Blank? He was excellent in uh, Gross Point Blank. I don't he like him so in serious in gross roles. Gross Point Blank. All right. So oh Gross my Point Blank was a comedy, <gasps> so Dan Aykroyd was perfect in it. <laughs> I do have a note right here when we're first introduced to Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Let's do it. That he does a very good Minnesota accent, and then about 30 seconds later, I added to that note saying, Whoops. I now realize that's because he's from Canada. And there yep. are very, very <laughs> few differences between the two accents. Yeah. Literally, yeah. I wrote that down. I wrote, Dan Aykroyd it. does a good Minnesota accent, period. Space. Oh, now I realize that's because he's from Canada <laughs> and there are very few differences between the two is verbatim what I wrote in my notes. Yeah. He's the only one clearly from Minnesota in this film because everyone mm-hmm. else is just, you know. They're it's all very just, California. Everyone yeah, they're else. Cameron Diaz, Keanu, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. It's all very sort of California or mid-Atlantic. There's, there's nothing real... Um, defining about any of their accents, except for Dan Aykroyd. All right. So, you know, we learned that he's a dirty cop. He just got paid off, whatever. The next scene has a bus coming into town, and the passenger is none other than our boy, Keanu. And he's Mm. named, his name in this film is Jax. Uh, And if you didn't stick around for the credits, which I assume neither of you did, that is spelled capital J, lowercase j, A-K-S. They chalk this up to a, uh, a flub on his birth certificate. That just feels too wrong, right? Yeah. Like, our son's and name is Jack. Right. And someone wrote, J, how do you spell that? J, J, A, K, S. Great. Done. <laughs> That's it. That's dumb. This is not to say that I dislike Zoe Deschanel. Totally <laughs> random, non sequitur. Because I actually quite like Zoe Deschanel. Mm-hmm. But there's a Delightful. lot of people who don't like her for a certain reason. And that, that certain reason is sort of like a manic pixie dream girl persona that she has put out there her whole career. And that sure. she sort of personifies and whatever. And I get that. That's fine. That's a very unhealthy stereotype to perpetuate. So if you don't like her for that, that's fine. But I feel like this whole Jax thing, like there was an error on his birth certificate. And that's why his name is Jax and not Jack is a very sort of manic pixie dream girl Zoe Deschanel-esque sort of a thing to put into a script that's so much more like gritty and and fighting and blood and crime and whatever. Yeah. It was very weird for me because I was like, this seems very 
500 days of summer and not feeling Minnesota. <laughs> hmm. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. They make a note of it throughout the movie. They make fun of them for the name a little bit here and there. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't really mean anything. And eventually it kind of just fades into, oh, his, name, his name's Jax, whatever. It's spelled mm-hmm. stupid. All right. We find out through a series of context clues and conversations that Jax hasn't been home in a really long time because he's either been in prison or he just hates coming back. But he's here today by invitation from his mom uh, to a backyard wedding that his brother is having with Freddie, Cameron Diaz's character. Fast forward a little bit uh, and we see that Freddie meets Jax. They actually see each other like on the way to the wedding. Uh, Jax, we find out, is Sam's brother, if you couldn't piece all this together. Uh, these two, Freddie and Jax, they like instantly fall in love. I think that's what we're meant to believe, right? That's like love at first sight, which is mentioned verbally in the film. No, I mean, they talk about it, but I mean, it's less interesting to me that it's love at first sight than it is that she's feeling panicked and desperate and Keanu Mm. Reeves is more attractive than Vincent D'Onofrio is. (laughs) And she's just like, whether or not it's just this time or whether she's trying to use Keanu Reeves to get her out of this situation, yeah. seeing someone who seems willing and attractive and she can make that choice for herself instead of going into a future of not being able to make any choices for herself. Like mm-hmm. when you're when you're looking at essentially indentured servitude and, and sex slavery. This last fling before you get married is either something where she's doing it. That's her choice. Or it's something where she sees this guy as someone that she can leverage like she does throughout the whole movie. So I think one way or the other, it's not so much love at first sight as it is Cameron Diaz playing an angle. Got it. Whether that's for herself or or to get out of the situation, I can't really say. But either way, I think it's not love at first sight. I think it's like her making a desperate move. So... Uh, given all that we just heard, uh, Jax ends up staying a, a little bit longer in town than he'd like because his mom died at the wedding, presumably of, I don't know, a heart attack, maybe. He was kind of mean. Uh, she was disappointed. Maybe she died of a broken heart, something like that. Maybe something a little I bit more know. poetic. I don't know. She was wackadoodle, and she clearly <laughs> did not take care of herself for most of her life. Yeah. So it could have been one of any number of things. I sure. definitely do not blame Keanu Reeves for that. Fair. His brother does, though, which is... His brother does, which is... Yeah. Which is a key to the whole exact same fight that happens for the rest of the next hour. They're hilarious and great. Every one of them is a unique snowflake of a fight. Here we go! Incorrect. (laughs) Jax and Freddy, after a few trysts, you know, in bathrooms and cars and whatnots, uh, (laughs) at some point, they both decide, you know what, it's probably best if we just run off together. So... (laughs) They eventually, you know, make their way to a motel, which will be like a focal point for pretty much the rest of the movie. It's weird. Okay, but on was... the way to the hotel, we have yeah. to say, I did not like a single person in this movie. I didn't like them from the second I saw them. Every okay. single person, the second they were on screen, I was like, no, not in, <laughs> not good. No, thank you. Okay. But on the way from dealing her away to getting to the motel. Yeah. He stops and breaks into a pet store and gets her a dog and some dog food. Yes. And that yeah. really got me. That's right. very romantic He's criminal behavior. 
Yeah. I am such a dog person that the second that it was like, oh, he stole you a dog on your way to the motel, I was I was in. I was like, that's a very romantic gesture. Right. He's all in on this relationship. He's like, let's raise a dog together. Right. He's like, let's be a family unit, even if right. we're on the run and have nowhere to live. I can't afford this dog yet, but we'll get there. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll cross that bridge was, when we come to it. It was very sweet and very romantic in a very, you know, petty crime kind of way. So Freddie and Jax and Dog, who is not named, just Dog, uh, all make their way to this motel. And it's here or roundabouts here that we also learn about Freddie's dream, right? And that is to live and perform in Las Vegas, just like her childhood idol, this real life, real actress named, uh, and singer and just overall performer, Anne Margaret. And Anne Margaret gave her this gold heart-shaped necklace with a signed photo inside. So this will come into play a little bit later. They pretty quickly realize they don't have any money. So Freddie convinces Jax to go back and steal from a stash that apparently Sam has somewhere. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio has been yeah. bragging about this money that he has somewhere. Yeah. Huge mistake. <laughs> right. For like so many reasons. You've knocked over yeah. a liquor store and a pet store while we've been watching you in the first 20 minutes of this movie. Go steal from somebody else. Right. Yeah. And the guy's house you're going to clearly knows you stole his wife. Yeah. It has been established and, and Sam is pissed. He's like, so it's over. stop being dumb. Like pick another gas station or <laughs> go literally anywhere else. and rob them. Literally anywhere. Don't go back to your brother's house, you big dumb dummy. Why didn't you take the money out of the pet store? You already <laughs> took the entire front window out. <laughs> Freddie tells him it's a lot of money, though. It's not what you get from a gas station. It's like tens of thousands of dollars. It's a lot of money that we yeah, know is Freddy's not there. full of shit. <laughs> Quick side note. I, it, I'm sure the two of you also noticed this, that we find out that that money has already been spent. But on the pamphlet, it's for a, a housing development. Did you see what mm-hmm. it was called? Mm-mm. It was called Cool Breeze Homes. It was incredible. Oh, shit. No way. Yes, it was. Oh, shit. You <laughs> should have put that in the trivia. Why did you not put that in the trivia? I, I, they made, they had it. It was on screen. I figured we'd all share a fun laugh about it. Oh, god damn it. Such I did not asshole. see that at all. I did not That's notice. awesome. That is incredible. This is like the email address that Evan and I it both missed. It is exactly like the, the email like, address at- where it was so clear to me and it was on screen for so long that I was like, yeah. clearly we're all going to have a big joke about this email address. And then you guys were like, wait, what? Meanwhile. Crickets. All right. So Cool Breeze Homes. That's, yeah, that's cool an actual breeze thing. Cool Breeze Homes. Amazing. That'd be, like, that'd be like if Evan bought a so- place called Tilled Field Homes or something. Exactly like that. <laughs> yep. Is that a great, great what it means, right? Great think, work. Did Andrew. I remember that? Or correctly? or if if I were uh, in a it movie. Means plowed field. Plowed field, there you go. <laughs> from from the White Island homes. Yeah, see, White right. Island homes. We could do it. Plowed field till this is the I same. I like White shit. Island homes. That sounds nice. That does sound upscale. That's some fancy stuff. All right. <laughs> Sounds a little better than plowed field. <laughs> we're not even there yet, are we? I don't know. No, don't but know it's okay to establish that. This movie's terrible, early. guys. Don't watch it. Fifty grand he apparently stole somewhere in the neighborhood of. He put it towards this house because he was looking forward to a life with Freddie, which is just never was never in the cards at any point. Uh, Jax breaks into the house. He's looking for this money. Sam catches him. It was pretty obvious that that was going to happen. They get into a scuffle. Sam 
<laughs> bites off part of Jack's ear, like a large part of Jack's ear. There's a lot of blood. But Jax ultimately wins this fight and and heads back to the motel, but he's empty handed. Right. Yeah. On the way back, he he's unaware that Sam has somehow gotten it together and has been following him this whole time. So Jax, he I, I'm trying to I guess he may, maybe concussed and there's like a blood like blood loss. He passes out like he gets back to the motel and he just like passes out. So. At this point, Sam comes in and he ends up kidnapping Freddie and then takes her. They go on a drive and they're talking about like how this would never work out. And he shoots her, like pulls out a gun and shoots her right in the car. Mm -hmm. Then he tries to frame Jax for the murder. So he drives back to the motel. I told you we're going to come back here a bunch. He puts Freddie's body in the bathtub and then he puts the gun he used to shoot her on the nightstand next to his passed out brother. So mm -hmm. caper, it's a caper now. The next morning, Jax wakes up. He has no memory of what happened. I'm assuming that's like the concussion and the blood loss, whatever. And he eventually discovers the body in the bathtub and this gun on the nightstand. And we get these like, I want to say that this was kind of like the fugitive style flashbacks a little bit here. And he thinks that maybe he killed Freddy. There was like, they got into a little bit of an altercation, but he can't remember anything. Meanwhile, Sam is, has tipped off the police to this murder. And he's watching from a diner across the street, another staple of this film. Uh, Courtney Love is a waitress here her, named Rhonda. So, mm -hmm. And you can, see, you can see this diner from the hotel room. That plays a part in the movie 15 times from here on out in the next right. hour of film. If nothing yep. else, this movie did a great job of blocking. So you're aware of like every, like where things are spatially. Okay. Okay. Yes. So remember when in the last movie in Chain Reaction, where I was going off about nothing was oriented so that we yes. had like an establishing shot. I didn't know where the van was. I didn't know where Keanu was. I didn't know what was happening. We just saw a montage of like back and forth and back and forth and nothing establishing. This movie is like a master class in establishing <laughs> where everything is. There you go. Points. That is actually, now that we brought it up, the best part about this movie. Right. Okay. It is vitally important when you have fight scenes and when you have like intrigue and people following other people and whatever to not confuse them based on like where the camera is, where the action is, where we're outside of, you know, like, are we outside of their motel room? Are we outside of the diner? Are we outside of someplace else altogether? Are on the side of the road where maybe a buried body is perhaps buried, not to spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> where on the side of the road are we? Like all of those things. I never once for a second, as poorly as a lot of things in this movie went, I never once for a second was confused about where I was. Right. That, they so did a great. lot of excellent blocking for the action scenes and the following scenes and all of that to see people coming in and out of the diner as people are going in and out of the motel room and they're, within eyeshot but they don't see each other and it makes sense that they don't see each other it's not like a 1920s farce where it's like <laughs> you would have seen each other going in these doors or whatever yeah it, it, yeah all right so Thank we you, agree Andrew. It's a i now film. like this movie more because yeah it's a perfect no. movie we all agree before. no you don't <laughs> stop it all right so, <laughs> it's blocked incredibly Listen, it's important to me and they did do it well in this movie there you go. See, no. it makes sense. You no. can't criticize Up it. Up until one now, and then I was so full it. of rage, I couldn't 
wait to record this episode to talk about how full of rage I was because the movie was so bad. Still. But now I'm like, okay, there's one thing they did well. Perfect. We mm. did it. But it's, that soothes my rage a little bit. Good. I'm glad to have helped in any small way. Yeah, so. thanks. We, we can now continue. We're at the motel room. <laughs> the police arrive, all right, and they're knocking on this door, but Jax? Did we talk about, did I interrupt, did we talk about Vincent D'Onofrio calling the cops to say my brother killed a girl in his room? Yeah, well, that's basically, so yeah, he's he's over there at this diner with Courtney Love, and she's, I'm not even sure why she was in this movie, could have been anybody, but fine. He calls the cops from this diner, or near nearby-ish, this diner. He's not allowed to use the phone. They make a point about that, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the cops arrive at the hotel room. Jax hastily avoids being caught. He puts Freddie in bed and says she was up all night with the flu. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, we've seen this tried before. I was going to say, that's okay. my last note. Literally my last mm, note for the whole so movie bad. is... This seems familiar. <laughs> right. That's there is another Keanu Reeves movie that has had this exact same weird trope that I didn't know was a trope. Right. If you're not, if you're not familiar, if you haven't been following along, first of all, shame on you. But otherwise, uh, oh. we're talking about <laughs> I Love You to Death. Thank you for being here now, wherever you were before, unlike Andrew, who's trying to shame you for just tuning in. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Yes. Whether don't... you've been here before or not. Uh, Ignore mean Andrew. Look, you either die a hero. (laughs) 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 We're getting way out. All right, here we go. The Kevin Klein movie. They put him in bed and they tell the cops that he's sick when he's actually bleeding out to death. From the head. (laughs) From the head. Cops don't buy it in that. At least in this, she had a a stomach wound, at least in this one, so it was slightly more believable. Sure, sure. So this works for him. The cops leave. They don't bother to investigate any further. He seems to have an answer for all their questions. Great. He's like, I got my wife. I got my life. That's all I need. I thought that was a pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So eventually Jax drives Freddie's body. And it's amazing to me that no one has actually checked for a pulse or that she's breathing or anything. We don't see that on screen. His, His idea is he takes the body, wraps it in a sheet. They drive to a remote area, kind of in the woods, this wooded area off the road, and they he just covers her with like leaves and rocks. Uh, and and again, Sam doesn't even dig a grave. No, it just I like hated very, this so very much. Very disrespectful. If you so, kill me, you better at least <laughs> fucking bury me. Oh my god! I don't want Wolverines like, getting at my carcass because you're too lazy ugh. to dig a hole. Yeah, or raccoons like in this movie. Sure, but. He like hesitated before he put a pile of twigs on her face, mm-hmm. and I hated that. And then he put like the little flower on her, and he apologized, right? Because I He's guess he romantic. was still of the mind that he might have killed her at that point. Well, I mean, that's I the thing. He had a concussion, and they fought. It does not surprise me. Like of all of the ways that I just suspend my disbelief in this movie to be able to watch it, him thinking maybe he did kill her is not one of them. I get it. He's fucked up a lot in his life. He got a concussion and then he drank all the way home to deal with the concussion. <laughs> and then they got into a fight. It's not surprising that he's like, maybe I killed her. Dude, he was like 50 feet from a major road and he laid her in the grass in a clearing in the woods. Yeah, no, that's bullshit. And Covering her with leaves is bullshit. Leaves. That's not what we're talking about. 
What I was arguing uh, is, it does not surprise me that he thought he killed her. That's fine. That oh, makes sense to me. Well, yeah. I'm still stuck on his method for hiding her body. Even if you did kill me, or think you killed me, right? or just found me on the side of the road, you better fucking bury me. That's the least you can do. Give me the decency. Exactly. God damn it. All right. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Or like, cut me up or, you know, throw me in a swamp. <laughs> Don't just lay me in the grass. It's got dark. Oh my God. <laughs> Put a little thought into it is, is all I'm saying. Right. There are points for originality. One of the biggest tragedies of my life is that the like FBI field in Kentucky or Wisconsin, where they like just leave you to rot in different situations and use it oh, for yeah. forensic science. You can't import bodies from across state lines because that's what I want them to do with me when I die. I would oh. love nothing more than to be left to rot in a field for, for forensics. <laughs> for science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, They're what still going to be doing, in whatever you know? way because they can, they can take it all. But there is that you cannot import your body. So unless I decide to live in Wisconsin, I cannot donate my body to time to move. (laughs) Tough choice. Oh, all right. Sam is <laughs> Sam has been watching this whole time. It's incredible how well he is. It's how how good of a tale is this guy that he's, he's been phenomenal. He's seen everything that's happened. All right. Yep. He calls his crooked cop buddy Kostikian, Dan Aykroyd, and uh, they arrest Jax for the murder. Right. So the three of them, along with this detective's partner, I will say Vincent D'Onofrio is very dogged in this movie about yeah. Creating things to pin on his brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Everything. not even just like, oh, here's a thing. Can I pin it on my brother? It's like, I need something new to pin on my brother because they didn't buy the last thing. What right. else can I pin on him? Can I get him pantsing an old lady? Can I get him shoplifting? <laughs> like, whatever Justice it is, I'm going to create it so I can do served. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Determined. He did do, they did definitely, they did not let up on that. Vincent D'Onofrio works the whole goddamn movie to pin something on Keanu. Yeah. So, the three of these people, along with the detective, Kostikian's partner, who is a nameless person, it doesn't super matter, they drive to where Freddy's body was dumped, and uh, she's not there. There's no body there. There's no pile of leaves or rocks or anything. It's It's been cleared. So... Kostikian is pissed at Sam because apparently this is a very long drive and they he was tired of this shit. So he leaves Sam and Jax in the woods like they just drive away. Find your own way home. And that was the best part of the movie. Is when he's yeah, like, no, it. you don't get a ride home. You send us <laughs> on this wild open the door. chase. <laughs> I'm tired. I need a nap and a cup of coffee. No, get the fuck out of here. You don't get a ride back. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So... Sam and Jax, they eventually get back home. And then at this point, so another caper situation, they receive a phone call from the manager of the motel. And this dude wants 50 grand to keep quiet because what he saw was Sam carry Freddy's dead body into the room. And then he saw Jax carry the dead body out Out of of the room. room. So Mm. at this point, Jax realizes that Sam was setting him up. Mm Mm-hmm. And they get into fucking long to realize (laughs) that this gun he didn't recognize that was on his nightstand was not his property. Whatever, (laughs) whatever. Anyway, so they have another fight. Sucked. 
For... Yeah, or check the bathtub for like any signs of you shooting her in the bathtub. Well, that's hey. the thing. Fucking everyone thinks they shot her, and no one checks her pulse enough to know that she's not dead. It's Whatever. True. That's a spoiler alert. We're not there yet. That's true. That's true. The reason they can't find her body is because she's not really dead. Shh. <laughs> oh, no. We're jumping ahead too far. We're jumping ahead a whole five oh, minutes. No. <laughs> so, so they have another fight, right? It's one of like several fights. And Jax always wins these fights. He always beats the shit out of his brother in the end, which is mm-hmm. pretty funny for being the younger brother. But they come up with this plan. So Jax is going to go to... He's going to go back to the motel to talk to this manager to see if he can convince him to, to not do this, right? Not call the cops. And then Sam is going to go see Red, his boss, to ask for a loan to cover this amount, right? So that they don't both end up going to jail. Sam shows up at Red's arcade and Red is there. And we discover that he is double checking the books, which, as we have learned over the course of this movie, are cooked, right? Sam has stole... Something to the tune of like 50 grand, 48 grand or something over the past year. And there's a little bit of a scuffle that ensues and Sam ends up shooting and killing Red. (laughs) And then he takes another $50,000 from the safe that's sitting right there, completely unlocked. Mm -hmm. All he has to do is like, he accidentally like kicks the handle with his foot. He opens it up. Great. 50 grand in tow. Jax, he... We cut to him. He's meeting with the motel manager. He sees Freddie's necklace, right? This, this necklace that we made a big deal about on the floor of the manager's place. So he goes into a rage. He throws this dude out the window or out the door, rather. He's threatening to kill him. And then out of nowhere, spoilers, a very much alive Freddie walks towards them. She's calling out Jack's name, right? <gasps> Jax sees her and he faints which I thought was a really nice reversal of what normally happens in movies. He I did, and out. I also thought that was probably the best acting that Keanu did the whole movie. Not that he was bad. I just don't think he carried <laughs> Falling it. over. But his <laughs> fainting and his, like, wobbly head and his eyes uh, rolling back was uh, very good. All right. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> hey, no, I'm, I'm there. I, I like that part. I was like, oh, that's, that was kind of nice. I did not see a faint coming. Great. Mm-hmm. So when he wakes back up, uh, Freddie shows Jax, like, she was shot. Uh, and he's like, here's where it went in, and here's when it went out. And you see this terrible bullet wound, right? Not, not, it was, like, a pretty well done, like, prosthetic bullet wound. It was just, you know, right in the side, not in the stomach. And she says that Sam's a bad shot. And to be honest, he must be, like, a, a completely shitty shot, because he was, what, like, mm-hmm. a foot away from her in the car? And he couldn't... Point blank. Right. It was... It could not... The guy's terrible overall. All right. <laughs> she explains that someone picked her up from the side of the road. And that's where they, that's how they explain that. So fine. Sure. The next morning, <laughs> the next morning, Sam calls Jax. He tells him, I have the money. I got it. However, he's calling from the diner again. Like, what the hell? He's always at this diner. He sees Freddie. Leave the motel to go get, like, whatever, ice or snacks or something. And this sends him into a rage. So he busts the door down. He confronts Jax and Freddy in this manager's apartment. Sam shoots Jax in the arm. And then there's a scuffle again. And Sam ends up getting shot. Jax and Freddy are defending themselves. And then Detective Kostikian kicks the door down. 
and he actually kills Sam. Like he suffocates him just by covering his nose and mouth, which was, I was like, damn, this guy's cold blooded. Yeah. We find out that Freddie called Kostikian, right? So it's a double, double cross, double, double, triple, double cross, double. I don't know. She called Kostikian to be rescued and used him to help her get the 50 grand. She's like, as far as we know, she wants nothing to do with these two clowns. All she wants is this money. It's all she's wanted the entire movie, really. So we're meant to believe they leave Jax behind, but it's, it's hard to tell. They just, it just fades to black. We don't get a real resolution to this motel scene. It just fades to black. Sometime later, we're not super sure when, Kostikian is arrested in his underwear <laughs> in this hotel. So Freddie apparently used him, you know, bedded him a few times or whatever, took this money for herself, and then informed the cops of what happened. So Kostikian's partner, nameless man, comes and arrests him. Justice served for a crooked cop. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Cut to a few months later. All right. That's actually what it says. A few months later. <laughs> Storytelling <laughs> is incredible. Mm-hmm. Jax is in the passenger seat of a car telling the driver this story of kind of what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And he eventually reveals to the driver who, and I hope you two both picked up on this, is a Bible salesman? Is Correct. that? Okay, yes, he's cool. he's a door-to-door Bible salesman. Right. 25 bucks a pop. Not bad. It's a good Bible, though. It was like bound well. Anyway. Sure. He, receives a, he had received a letter from Freddie, and he reads it out loud. I will not do it justice. This is the only piece of audio I pulled from this movie. It's the best piece of audio to pull. Even though it made me so angry. Everything past <laughs> the cut when they like arrest the crooked cop is yeah. unnecessary and filled me with rage. Okay. Well, here's the letter. <laughs> it don't look so worried. Look at this. I got a letter from him not too long ago. Dear Jax, maybe it's all bullshit. Maybe nothing does happen for a reason after all. But I'm doing great. I'm living my dream. So fuck you anyways, Freddie. I hate to say this, son, but that don't sound exactly like a love letter. (laughs) You gotta read between the lines. Nope, you don't. I thought there was some hidden message. Like, I was like, let me scribble it out and see if, like, there was, like, a kind of, you know, like a cipher. There is not. It's not. He's just. Well, you're not supposed to know it. It's a cipher. I mean, you know, if if I can't crack it, then it's not a cipher at all. There's its own. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not. If I know what's happening, it's not a cipher because I am not a good code breaker. I'm good at, like, escape rooms and physical puzzles, but ciphers, no. Right. So. You have to get your decoder ring. <laughs> I forgot that shit. Drink your right. Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Throwing it nice. back. So that happens. And then we cut to a Las Vegas uh, showgirl slash burlesque act, right? Something, you know, something great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's most Vegas showgirl acts are sure. boobs just, out. Like, think of, yeah, think of your prototypical Vegas show, right? With the ladies. And uh, we see that uh, Freddie is one of the stars. And Keanu, Jax, whatever we want to call him, is watching awestruck from the audience. He uh, eventually catches up with her after the show, which I thought was too easy, right? Like, 
the showgirls sh- probably should have like a private exit entrance situation. I, I no creeps, right? But whatever. Yeah, you say that, but that's not how it ever works. Even yeah. in, even in Broadway, like people hang out at the backstage door to get like hassle Lin Manuel Miranda for an autograph at the. You know, like there's not a, a secure way to do it. There's still always yeah. a back door, and people know where that back door is. All right. Well, she comes out. He's standing there. She sees him. She smiles big. She asks, what took you so fucking long? And then the movie ends with them making out and uh, a really, really uninspired version of Ring of Fire plays. Credits roll. Y'all, it's so bad. It's so bad. That's a terrible version of Ring of Fire. But I also, so like... I don't know what I expected, how I expected this to end. I don't know that I could suggest a better way for it to happen. Uh But I just don't know. She betrays him and his brother and takes off with all the cash. Mm -hmm. I kind of expect Keanu Reeves to not care about that. Because, you know, whatever. He's a dirtbag and he's lived a dirt... They're all dirtbags. They've all lived (laughs) dirtbag lives. Right. So, like, whatever. People double cross one another. People bite off one another's ears and you move on and it's whatever. (laughs) I also kind of expected her to still be in love with him because she just did it out of like survival instinct. The whole movie she's using people to get to the next step, to get to the, you know, further away, to get to whatever. She's using people the whole time. So using both of them off of one another to be able to get the money to escape doesn't surprise me either. Sure. But the fact that neither of them has shit to say to the other one. They're just like, cool, we're in love now and we're in Vegas. Like, (laughs) at least have a fight in the parking lot and then make out. You know what I mean? Give me 10 seconds on film of you arguing about who betrayed who and who did what to who and then passionately kiss and then have her say what took you so long. You can even keep that line Mm. in because whatever, she's got charisma. She can sell it. I don't love the line, but like it's Cameron Diaz. She can sell that line. But like, sure. It made me mad that they didn't address any of it they're just like months pass and he hitches a ride with a bible salesman and ends up in vegas and they're in love and happily ever after and it's not happily ever after you know it's not happily ever after because they're all dirt bags <laughs> right it's a bad it's just so like start. <laughs> show at least some kind of conflict or oh. some kind of addressing it or some kind of something and then you're fine then go like then make out then live happily after ever after but at least address the fact that you were both shitty to one another first yeah that's in the you know we don't have time we're running time is money this movie was already i don't know i I have no excuses for this film (laughs) so (laughs) i guess with all that do uh (laughs) do either of you recommend this film I do not recommend no. this film. What? Surprise. Oh, my gosh. But you uh, thought I would. I thought you would, too, because, again, I hated it. It's my number one film. I do not recommend this movie. However, however, if you liked any of those movies I mentioned up top, which, again, Whitney and I both agree, we, we know in our heart of hearts, are far better films. Mm-hmm. And you need something similar to that that you haven't seen before. This might. Nope. Vetoed. I'm not even going to let Andrew finish that sentence. Watch literally Ooh. any other thing. Okay. Shut down. Watch Chain Reaction. Watch Chain oh, Reaction, yeah. which was. Great movie. 
surprisingly better than I thought it would be. All right. Would you? All right. So would you recommend this if you had to? You had to do one. This or I love you to death. I love you to death. Wow. Well, now we're just doing our rankings. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So speak. Well, I just wanted to see where this falls because I'm looking at stuff that was not recommended by any of us. Also, would you would 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 you recommend somebody watch this or the Prince of Pennsylvania? Ooh. No, Prince <laughs> no. of Pennsylvania. I oh literally put it on my list. Uh, I literally put might... it on my list between One Step Away and Prince of Pennsylvania. I would rather watch Prince wow. of Pennsylvania again than watch this movie again. Unbelievable. Oh, I'm, I'm giving it a little more credit than that. I have this fifth from the bottom. Fifth from the so bottom. So I'd rather watch Young Blood again. Okay, a movie you recommend, by the way. Just so. Well, it's a good so movie. <laughs> But somehow is the 21st movie on your 20th movie on your list. Um, <laughs> yep. Okay. I would, so. I would rather watch the bizarre coal mining abduction, Oedipal, weird ass Prince of Pennsylvania again than watch Feeling Minnesota again. Right. All right. So I am also putting it, it's going to be at the number 22 two spot for me after I love you to death but above even cowgirls get the blues so uh, hmm. we all have this pretty much at the bottom of the list which feels yeah. right about where this movie belongs so oh yeah great it's all been locked in and noted as such so with that let's talk about next week Evan is leading us through a discussion of a movie called the last time I committed suicide Mm -hmm. hmm. Have we seen this? Is the, nope. I don't believe so. I've never even heard of this movie. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously through putting the list together, yes, but I have no idea what to expect here. It should yeah. be good. Not. I, I like when none of us know anything about it. It's, yeah, it doesn't happen that often, and usually at least one of us knows something about it. But we've got a couple right in this neck of the woods in the yeah. mid '90s where all of us are like. I don't, what? I've never even heard of that. This might be a question that just like answers itself, but given that none of us have seen, like, so Ev, are you excited? Are you, would you be more excited to do a movie that you know, or like something like this, that's an unknown quantity? I like them both. Okay. I was going to say, and it totally depends on the movie that I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Understood. If I know it's bad. Like, <laughs> chain reaction. Yeah. Was not bad. Sure. I, in fact, liked it more than I thought I would. But it also was so not necessarily worth revisiting in any other circumstances. But if we're talking about, like, The Matrix, which is coming up soon, sooner rather oh. than later. Oh, yeah. I am very excited to talk about The Matrix. And we all have already seen Hype. The Matrix. So I True. think there's, I think there's, you know, on both sides of the spectrum, I think there's a lot that I enjoy about movies that none of us have seen but there's also a lot that i enjoy about movies that all of us have seen yeah yeah sounds good sounds good all right do we have uh we have any other thoughts anything else we got to get off our chest before we uh wrap this episode up no that was everything you're clear for landing oh oh my gosh if you enjoyed this just before we get into that if you enjoyed this live and you think we should do this more often please let us know we had i i was trying I'm always managing six or seven windows here when I'm hosting or whatever. Yeah, I'm trying but, to keep my notes and like yeah. rotten tomatoes and all that stuff going. So, 
But I did see that we had like quite a few people in here at one point, which was yeah. crazy. I was like, holy shit, double digits. All right. Anyway, <laughs> let us know yes. if we should keep doing this or if we should just do it for like tentpole. Like the Matrix obviously gets a live stream, something like that. Mm. But either way. Tentpole. We'll be back next week. But until then, Whitney, where are you on the internet? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And you can find links to all of my other podcasts from there. I definitely have to shout out specifically Almost Better Than Silence since Doug got me an extra point Hell's in yeah. everybody's favorite game. Um, So that's the, the podcast where we talk about video games and what we've been playing and any news and just sort of, you know, general video game conversation. I have to shout them out. But then also when this comes out... um. Go listen to Historical Hotties. We are currently in our like year end um, last chance extravaganza where we uh, give all of the losers over the course of the last year of episodes a chance at redemption and at being crowned a historical hottie. So we've got votes up. You can vote as many times as you like. You can vote even if you've never listened to a single episode. So if you feel strongly that, you know, Gene Kelly should have been a winner and he wasn't, or if you feel strongly that Huey Newton should have been a, a winner and he wasn't, like, whatever whatever your case is, go vote anyway. Um, it's Historically Hot, which the podcast is Historical Hotties. It's historicallyhot.com slash anniversary. And you can see all of the options, all of the 75 people that did not win this year. <laughs> oh, my God. And we are going to take uh, those 75 and narrow it down to 10. And then we're going to use past guest hosts to narrow it down to four. And then we're going to take those final four and pit them against one another to figure out who is the redemption hottie of the year. <laughs> It's very oh scientific. My God. It is a lot that is a lot going on. It is a lot going on. It's also some of the most fun I have all year with the podcast because people have a lot of thoughts and feelings about who should have won and didn't. Sure. And it's always exciting to have people come in, you know, like Hedy Lamar didn't win. <gasps> Eartha okay. Kitt didn't win. Aretha Franklin didn't win. Like we've got a lot of very hot people who've yeah. made very big impacts in the world who deserve to be a winner. But there can only be one winner per episode. So they just didn't make it in. Fair, fair. Yeah. That sounds so great. So historicallyhot.com slash anniversary. And we've got um, a week or so from when this goes up to um, vote. And then we'll be narrowing it down from there. But as long as, as long as that page is active, the vote will be active. Check all that stuff out. Let's get mm -hmm. involved. Let's, let's create a surge. Let's create yeah. a surge of votes. Yeah, do it. Like I said, mm -hmm. I literally don't even care if you haven't listened to any episodes. Just scroll through the list and vote for someone you feel like should be a winner of the historically hot title. Evan. Yeah. Where are you on the internet? Oh, man. So, I have an Instagram. At yep. uh, Evan Acree. Perfect. That's A-C-R-E-E. -E. Uh, yeah. How about you, Andrew? <laughs> That's Tilled Fields, I believe. Uh, at Tilled. Plowed. Plowed. Wow. Tilled Fields. Still going on this. <laughs> I'm sorry. You make it's one mistake in your whole life. It's easy to remember Plowed because Plowed is funnier. It's a double entendre. <laughs> That's yeah, how you can remember it, it in the future. Plowed Fields. Appreciate the context. I yeah. actually... Good. The entendre will help. I yes, swear to God, I it will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now it's an entendre. Even yeah. better. 
Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you can find me on any platform. I've discovered pretty much all of the platforms out there. At Dark Driving. Just, uh, it's probably me. I use the same photo across everything. Find me there if you want. Or don't. I don't care. You're here. You clearly listen live, which I love. That was great. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. So... With all that, in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. You're welcome, Andrew. <laughs> We're still live! God damn it! <laughs>